Welcome to Facts Roundtable, a podcast dedicated to navigating life with food allergies across the lifespan. Presented in a welcoming format with interviews and open discussions, each episode will explore a specific topic, leaving you with the facts to know or use. Information presented via this podcast is educational and not intended to provide individual medical advice. Please consult with your personal board-certified allergist or healthcare providers for advice specific to your situation. Hi, everyone. I'm Caroline Mawasasi, and I am your host for the Fact Roundtable podcast. I am a food allergy parent, advocate, and the founder of the Grateful Foodie blog, and I am Fact's Vice President of Community Relations. Change is one thing that is always consistent, and when a child or adult receives a diagnosis of food allergies, quite a bit of change is coming their way. Today, we're exploring change and adapting to unforeseen circumstances with FACT spokesperson Elizabeth Hamilton Guarino. She's a book author, parent, and wife who also manages her own food allergies. Elizabeth's releasing her newest book, The Change Guidebook, and we're going to discover what this book is all about. Before we start today, I just want to take a moment and thank the National Peanut Board for their kind sponsorship of today's show and for all of their support over the years. Welcome, Elizabeth. I am absolutely delighted to have you back on Facts Roundtable podcast. Every time you're on with us, I leave even more inspired. You know I have been a fan for years. Your books sit right next to my bed, so I'm a big fan, and I'm just thrilled we're talking today. Thank you so much, Caroline. I'm so happy to be with you. And thank you. Thank you for your support. And thank you to everybody at FACT. I love you all. Well, that love is very mutual. Before we dive into our powerful conversation today about change, can you tell listeners about your journey to becoming a member of the food allergy community and then how you became involved with FACT? Yeah, that goes back to a while. We've been pals for a while now. I got to think back here, roll up my sleeves a little bit. I developed life-threatening food allergies at age 28. And I liken food allergies to poison in a way for me. I really feel like if I ingest certain things, they are just absolutely and totally life-threatening and send me into anaphylaxis. I have four life-threatening food allergies on board. They are peanut, tree nut, fish, and shellfish. And I've had those all since I was about 28. I developed them after a pregnancy. I was in the corporate world at the time, and I spent a lot of time trying to figure out how to navigate it because there weren't groups like this way back when. And I hid it from my employer. I hid it from my family. My family didn't really understand it. All of those things until I almost died twice, once, well, six months pregnant with our third son, Cam. And it dawned on me that I was going to need to learn how to not only stay alive, but also thrive. That's how I've come to know all of you, just researching and trying to learn where I fit into this new world of food allergies. We just happened upon each other through that, and it's been just wonderful. I do not feel alone. You know, that is the truth. This community is really beautiful, and you being part of the FACT family obviously enhances it. But I think this community is really special. People really embrace each other and uplift each other. It's scary. You know, it's a change you didn't want. It's a club you don't want to join necessarily, although you all are fabulous, <laughs> but you know, no one wants to have life-threatening food allergies on board. 
And so when you do, it's super important to have people like you who know the flight path, who know how to navigate them, who know the information, who know other people like you, so that when you get a diagnosis like that, you're not wondering what's this new me going to look like. And especially parents of children. I don't have children with food allergies. We have a little bit of lactose intolerance and that's it. But you know, I got mine at age 28. I'm a mother of four sons. They're 20, 22, 24, and 26 now. I frequently put myself in other people's shoes to just sort of think about what that would be like to have a kindergartner and having to part ways in the morning with your child who has life-threatening food allergies and not have incredible anxiety about that. I think all day long, I'd be like, are they okay? Are they okay? Are they okay? And now people are more trained. But that was one of the reasons why I wrote a lesson for every child learning about food allergies with Sally Huss. I just couldn't imagine from a parent standpoint or even a child standpoint what that must be like. And so I imagined it. And it's a wonderful book because it's a great learning tool. You know, like you said, as a parent, it's overwhelming. But then also part of being a parent of a child with food allergies, you become this educator. Whether you like it or not, you have now become teacher of your child and of others. And it can be really awkward. And so having tools that you can start off with and say, okay, here's this book. Here's the story. Let's talk about it. Then you can direct the conversation back to yourself. But yeah. it is really overwhelming. And communication is such a big part of managing food allergies. Yeah. Even as an adult with food allergies, I've been bullied. And I know children in our community that have been bullied with food allergies and so forth. So that's a huge issue of it too, you know, feeling like you want to fit in. Even as an adult, I'm learning how to fit in. It's It can be very awkward to go out for dinner with my husband in a corporate setting or even my own family, bringing us all together. There's a speech you got to give at the beginning of dinner. Hi, server, I have life-threatening food allergies, da, 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 you know, and help me stay alive and thrive. And so it's tricky. It's Yeah, that's my word for it. It's very tricky to navigate life with food allergies, but I'm so thankful for all of you. That was a long, a long thank you. (laughs) Well, it was a lovely thank you. I love it. (laughs) So now let's turn our attention to your new book that's coming out very soon, The Change Guidebook. I know FACTS president and CEO Eleanor Guerra Holding was one of your contributors For listeners, right before we started, Elizabeth showed me that Eleanor is going to be on page 164, just saying. (laughs) Right there. (laughs) But can you tell us what is this book all about? So the book is about change. It's about how we change, how we make changes, how we cope with those unforeseen circumstances. And it's really intended in my world to help us start a conversation where change isn't scary we can frame it more positively. We have tools in our best life toolbox, such as this book, to frame the conversations and our lives in a positive way regarding change. And that's really what I hope to do and hope to accomplish is teach people about this process so that they know it, can use it if they would like to, and can implement it in their own lives or teach it to other people. But the book itself, this is cool, the book itself is a masterclass in change. Oh, I love that. the cost of the book. That's it. (laughs) And I'm really big into certificates. So you can get a certificate. (laughs) It's a masterclass in change with a certificate. That is amazing. So now the book itself, is it something you're just going to sit down and read like in bed at night? I should have two different types of reading. So I have the bedtime reading, which is a little light and easy and kind of fun. And then I have the reading where I really want to get something out of it. Like I'll have a notebook with me even or a highlighter. Where does this book fall into that? A little bit of both. I would say careful reading it at night before you go to bed. It'll make you think. So maybe it 
falls over to the other side with a notebook and highlighter and so forth. Because the structure of the book is narrative from me, two stories in each chapter from contributors. So there's 20 stories in there. And then also there are two exercises in each chapter with an exercise at the end that gives you that certification if you want. So it depends on maybe what part of the book you're reading. There's also sections of the book that might require a hanky or two for tears. Um, I do give warning in the book, like heads up, you know, this is coming your way and this might make you a little sad because not everybody's story is, is happy the way they've navigated. The outcome might be great. They're in the book and they've gotten through this, but the process that they went through might've been a little more than painful to get to where they are now. So, but we've got 20 contributors who illustrate the points of change. Beautiful. Now, can you share with us what are two of the 10 points of change that you mentioned in your book? I really like the first two, and I like to send people right to the first two, assess and choose. I have a really cool download also on my website that goes with those two points, assess and choose. So if you go to besteveryou.com forward slash change guidebook, there's a juicy download there that is like 12 pages long. It's like one of those free downloads, but it's actually like useful. And it helps you navigate the first two chapters of the book with a, like an assessment. We also put all of the exercises that are in the book on that page as well. So if you don't like to write in books, all of the copies of the exercises are at that website as well. So assess and choose. I think those are great ways to start when you want to make a change or are dealing with unforeseen circumstance. You know, you're always going to sit back and kind of say, well, what's going on? What's happened? Who, what, why, where, <laughs> when, and how of things. Sometimes people do that. Like if we're going to make a change intentionally, sometimes people do that at the new year. This is a good book for the new year because it'll help you stick to the changes that you want to make as long as you don't try, you know, like 40 of them at once, <laughs> like people do. But also I really like to coach people to do this around their birthday and do that assessment and that create your best life assessment around their birthday every year and think about the changes that they want to implement in the cycle of like their birthday instead of like the new year and all the hype and so forth. But assess and choose uh, because I really do truly believe you choose how you respond and are in every moment. You really have a choice. That is powerful. And I really like how you're suggesting around your birthday, because in New Year's, it's very overwhelming. You have Christmas, you have family coming and going, and it maybe it's snowing and it's a blizzard. And I don't know, it feels like the most awkward of times. <laughs> well, in, in New England, I'm in Maine, we still have Christmas decorations out even. So we still haven't unwound completely from Christmas. They're frozen outside. I think it's fun for us as people, the industry of self-help and so forth, the reality of it is, is around maybe February 15th, most people fail on the resolutions. I hate to use the word fail, but it's good learning. And if you do that a few times, you're like, well, why doesn't this work? Timing and the process. And for listeners, I will make sure in the show notes, you have every link that you'll need, especially to the juicy download. <laughs> and I do love that. I always feel guilty marking up my books because inevitably I'll try to share them with somebody. And I'm worried that I've written in my stuff. Especially if you're at personal, you know, it's a personal book. So it's going to call for personal information and not everybody wants to write that down in a book. But I do have a thing though. If you do write in your book and you need another book, you can always buy one. <laughs> so, I like that. Totally kidding. <laughs> but uh, no, we have given the exercises for free on the website so that you have copies, you can download them. Because I really hope that people 
learn the process and then use the process for multiple changes they want to make in their life. I'm hoping people give this book a big hug and keep it and keep it with them because it really has helped me in my own life navigate change. I've really used some of the things in my own life in this to show you that it works. And then I've given examples and other people have contributed to show you that it works too. Well, and change is the one constant thing we have in our life, right? We sure do, don't we? (laughs) And a lot of it. And I think we become scared and fearful when we don't have a command of the topic or command of the situation. Now you can say, oh, I know how to navigate change a little bit better. I might not know every single thing, but this process has helped me navigate change. I can look at my process. I've used it. I know more about the topic of change to implement it in my own life. Focusing on change. Can you tell us why a book on change is so needed right now? And not only just for children and adults and their caregivers after receiving a diagnosis of food allergy, since we're so food allergy focused, but also just for everyone facing an unexpected circumstance. So change comes in very heavy when you have a new diagnosis or an added diagnosis, but then we've been through a pandemic. We're going through a lot right now. Yeah, it is. And I go back to the tagline of the book really is align your heart, truths, and energy to find success in all areas of your life. How to do that basically is the title of the book. And I go back to this being an important topic because that's exactly right. We've all been through so much. We're all over the map. We've got so many things that we're dealing with. And the book really helps you think about how you're spending your time because often That's what we need to change is how we spend our time and what we're doing within those moments. And so it's a study about time management in a way. It's about rooting in gratitude in those moments where things are falling apart, where you don't feel like you have your footing, where things have changed and you don't know what to do next, that panic, that everything. From my own experiences, having been resuscitated twice now, I think about gratitude so much in my life. Almost every moment of my life, I think, well, if I even start to wander and go, they've got it better than me, or, well, they don't have food allergies like I do, or, you know, whatever it is, I go, I'm just going to root in gratitude and be thankful for everything that I have. This isn't something that's probably going to change for me. Probably not going to outgrow food allergies at age 52. (laughs) In fact, they seem like they're getting a little worse, if I'm honest. But it's just that root into gratitude and that root into knowing when you think with your heart, and you are authentically you, and you think about how you place your energy as far as time and actions are concerned, I really do truly believe anything is possible and you can overcome anything. If we take a family, a mom and dad who have a child who has had an allergic reaction, they've raced to the hospital to save their life, and then they're at that follow-up meeting of learning that their child has life-threatening food allergies. That's major change, almost crisis level. What do you do? How do you navigate? And so forth. And I think about your organization. I think about epinephrine. I think about, you know, all the things that go with food allergies, 911, medical alert bracelets, and so forth. But I also think about how are we going to navigate this change? And that's where you pick up the book and learn. Because it doesn't have to be, oh, woe is me. There's a little bit of that. But there's a timer you set for that. And you stop the woe is me and you move into dealing with this in a positive manner that's healthy. So it almost feels like the book is 
change, but also just how to have a peaceful life. I actually wrote a poem for the book. It's not in the book. We cut the poem, but it's called Finding Peace and Change. You know, and I've had conversations with parents who have lost their children due to food allergic reactions. I've had conversations with parents who have lost their children to disease, multiple things. And that to me is one of the the hardest conversations to have because you can't just say, well, here's my book. Good luck. You know, that kind of thing. That's horrible. And yet we're helping people not stay stuck in grief. And the way in a food allergy community to not stay stuck in grief is to help other people. If you can, if you can turn and push the moments forward to help other people navigate so that they're staying alive and thriving or talk to other parents who have lost their children. You know, we all need that giant hug. And I think on that note, it's very important to remember that when we encounter other human beings, you never know what's going on in their life at first glance. I cannot stress that enough. As you encounter people, please do that with with kindness and compassion and grace and elegance and collaboration and those hugs as we move out of COVID because you just really never know what people are navigating. Instead of judging them, be kind. And I think about this when my father died. He was the subject of my first book, Percolate, in large part. He died in October 2018, and I was going back and forth between Maine and Minnesota. And I was back in Maine, and he had died, and I was gathering things to go back to Minnesota. And I was up at the grocery store, I guess, standing over the pears. They're beautiful pears, but I was crying. I was actually bawling in the middle of the grocery store, standing over pears. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. But this woman came up to me randomly and said, can I give you a hug? And I'm like, yeah. And this is pre-COVID, of course, this is back in 2018. And I said, uh, yes, you actually can. And as she was giving me a hug, she said, which one of your parents just passed away? I'm like, how do you know that? I don't know you. And she said, the look on your face is unmistakable. And still to this day, I don't know who that woman was. I go up and look for her sometimes. <laughs> Feel angelic in the moment to other people, if you can, because we all need each other. That is amazing. Talk about a beautiful act of compassion to a stranger. Yeah. And I just think about that just says it all. It really does, right? That is really beautiful. So now, Elizabeth, you have helped thousands across the globe be their absolute best self through the Best Ever You Network. So can you share with listeners, what is this wonderful network? <laughs> I think what isn't it is, <laughs> is the response. It's everything we all want it to be. The people make it what it is. It's outgrown all the business plans and it changes a lot actually. But in general, it's a self-help network basically that provides personal and professional development to people and organizations around the globe at this point. It's a podcast of its own. It's a magazine that we had and now we're bringing back. It's a blogging community. It's a networking, a lot of networking with people and just general support for each other to help us all be our best. When did you start it? So I started this back in 2008. I mentioned I'm a mom of four boys. When the littlest one went into first grade, I was like, oh, cool. I'm going to go back into the financial service industry and, and out of the house, dress up, get a job and all that good stuff. And I was there for about a year. And I had joined a firm of four boys fighting. <laughs> I call them boys. <laughs> Grown adult men, <laughs> boys. And I closed my office door and thought, boy, there's got to be something better than this. And I wrote the best ever you network. 
And I was like, oh, that might be something. I know nothing about what I'm going to do with this or anything, but I opened my door back up and quit my job and went home. Told my husband and kids that I had resigned and kind of marched myself up the street to a friend who was much more technically savvy than I was at the time. And she helped me uh, get a website and put a website up. Thought, you know, I'm going to just showcase other people who were doing great things. And so it started with my best friend from kindergarten. She had started a baby bib company. She was sewing baby bibs at her kitchen table and it grew into like this huge business. (laughs) So I love that. Now, how many countries are part of your network? Do you know? Have you ever counted that? I actually counted them for book purposes to see where our following is, but I can't actually remember at this moment exactly how many countries, but we're global. When you say that, you're like, you know, we're global. No, I don't mean it that way. I mean, yes, we're global and I hope we continue to be so. There are places bigger than us. There are places smaller than us. There are places who want to be what we are, but we are who we are. We're the best ever you network. We're super proud. And every day we add maybe like 10 to 20 people to the network. I think that's pretty special. It's not thousands, but every day we're chugging along, doing our thing, and we change lives. One person at a time. Just me, and I'm working from my home office. (laughs) So I also have Chris Fuller on board in British Columbia, who is the chief creative officer for the Best Ever You Network. She joined us two years ago. But for the most part, it's us doing these things. And we hold conferences. We're really proud of our women's conference and our global success summit. We do conferences in March and October every year. We've done them virtually at this point. We're just doing our thing and book included. I mean, I'm so proud to be an author with HCI. I can't even tell you how absolutely fabulous that whole crew is because when you write a book like this, you definitely don't write it alone. There's a lot of people involved. Listeners, I will make sure you have links to everything we are talking about because I don't want you to be left out. Yeah, no, we don't want to leave anybody out. We're inclusive. That's the other thing too. That's a good word. Just as inclusive as we can be to everyone's, no matter age, where you are, everything. The network, my mom always says, that network's missing the kitchen sink. I'm like, well, somebody join and bring the kitchen sink. (laughs) We'll have it. Now I know what I need to show up with. Yeah, your kitchen sink. It's funny. (laughs) I love it. Now, turning back to food allergies, you mentioned earlier you have life-threatening food allergies. Can you tell us how that inspired your own change and how that plays into the Best Ever Network? So, yes, I do have life-threatening food allergies, and I go to a moment with my dad as a stroke survivor in a rehab facility. He had survived a stroke and series of strokes, actually, that really number one, weren't survivable. And two, most people don't have their faculties about them as they recover. They're kind of permanently injured. So he was in a speech therapy session with a nurse and my mom and I were in the room and the nurse said to us, so look, when somebody is in this situation, they don't say much and I'm going to do an alphabet exercise. And when I say the word A, I'm going to ask him to say a word B and so forth. And she started and my dad said aardvark for A. And then he said benevolence. And then he said courage, determination, excellence. F was a swear word that I've changed to faith. He said goodness, happiness, integrity, joy, kindness, love. M was movies and on and on. And it was a moment where I'm like, oh my God, you know, you are there. (laughs) You know, not only are you there, but you're going to, you know, it was a survive moment. And he, it was a moment where he put his foot down and he was really tired. He was exhausted, but he was like, I'm here. (laughs) I'm not going anywhere. I'm surviving this. And I thought, 
wow, there's strength right there. And I've been such a <laughs> such a victim <laughs> up to that moment. What was me? Food allergies kind of thing. And and food allergies are definitely tricky and so forth, but it made me just realize that I needed to change what the way I was thinking and be very positive. And the positive way of thinking is much better than being sucked in the negative victim type thinking. That is powerful. Is this story in any of your books? It's in Percolate, actually. It's it's a moment where I took out a journal because I've always been a writer and I've always carried journals and stuff like that. And I drew this really terrible teapot thing with ABCs kind of spouting out the top. And I wrote Percolate ABCs of Life. So originally when I submitted that book to Hay House, each chapter was a word that he had said. And we switched it up a little bit, but it was all coffee metaphors from the get-go because I love coffee. But this book doesn't have those metaphors. I do write a lot about my dad in this book because when I decided I wanted to write another book, I was very much stuck in grief with him passing away. It took a couple friends to kind of pull me up (laughs) from my bootstraps, including myself, and kind of use my own process and think about kind of what I was saying to myself and doing and all of those things. Cause I've learned that when I am grieving, I eat. Oh yeah. I can relate. <laughs> yeah. I'm being totally honest. And I share this in the book too. I, I put on you know, like 20, 25 pounds. That's not a good thing to do. And, you know, just recognizing, you know, we're all human beings. We're marvelous at habits and we're marvelous at staying in our comfy zone and being comfortable. And it's those moments where you really do need to change something that move you out of your comfort zone, make you very uncomfortable. And then this book comes along and meets you there. That is perfect. That is beautiful. We're coming to the end of our time together today. Is there anything else you would like our listeners to hear from you? Just that I'm right here for you. You know, the book is intended to be sort of a self-study, but I write several times in the book. Like if you really do need me or need clarification or help with something, just holler. Just reach out and I'm super easy to reach, Elizabeth at besteveryou.com, or you can become a member of our network. It's totally free. You can even tweet me if you want. I'm on Twitter, <laughs> Best Ever You. And Caroline, I'm on TikTok. <laughs> Oh, I will be the oldest person on TikTok. I don't think I am, but at 52, I'm on there. But it was funny. Somebody wrote something like, hey, book wannabes and writers and all this stuff. Anybody over age 25, give me a shout. I'm like, 25? That's awesome. I'm 52. And they're like, "Ah!" (laughs) you know, kind of thing. And I'm learning TikTok and book talk and things like that because I really do firmly believe you. We all learn from each other and we all need each other at all ages. There's a lot to learn from all of us. That is very true. Very, very true. Well, you are just a beautiful person. Again, I love our relationship. I love that you're facts spokesperson. If I'm on a roll with love here, and I just love that you write these books and you have this network and you just put yourself out there to help and uplift people. It is so important. So thank you so much for your time. And most of all, thank you for the work that you do. Thank you. And the love is very mutual back at you. I I very much love you too and love you all and very much love everything that you do too. And that's what it's really all about is love. Anything can change. I mean, that's really what you need to be comfortable around change is applying love. Perfect words to end our podcast. Before we say our goodbyes today, I just want to say thank you one more time to the National Peanut Board for being a kind sponsor of Facts Roundtable Podcast. (laughs) 
Thank you for listening to Facts Roundtable Podcast. Stay tuned for future episodes coming soon. Please subscribe, leave a review, and listen to our podcast on Pandora, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher. Have a great day and always be kind to one another.